Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. It's hour number two of Extra Point on this Thursday, July 6th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And a reminder here for you, we're with you for the rest of today's show. We'll be with you tomorrow for the Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And then we are on vacation July 10th through the 14th, and we'll be back with you on July 17th. As we typically do, though, to kickstart hour number two, Let's reset the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which uh, involves the NBA, and I imagine that some of this was discussed as Bob had a conversation with Dan Favale of Bleacher Report in the 9 o'clock hour, and if you missed any of that, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Here's the question. Do you consider the Suns to be a championship contender to win the 2024 finals? Yes, now out in front at 57% of the vote, no trailing at 43%. And for the record, uh, as of yesterday afternoon, late yesterday afternoon, the Nevada consensus odds, the Suns were actually third as far as the championship contenders. And not that far back from the Nuggets, the Nuggets sitting at plus 450, the Celtics are plus 550. Not really sure about the fascination with the Celtics, in my opinion, but whatever. And then the Suns were 650. We will answer that question around 1130 today, tossing it on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Should the Heat be among the top five contenders to win the 2024 NBA Finals if they do add Damian Lillard? Yes, remains firmly in front here. 95.2% of the vote, no trailing at 4.8%. I think most people believe that uh, he's going to land in in Miami. He wants to play there. If you just uh, kind of connect the dots and go by what the Heat did not do in the uh, off season to this date, you know, allowing Vincent and Struess to leave, that opens up a spot in their roster as far as guard play goes for Lillard. So it all seems to kind of fit that he's going to end up in Miami. We will answer that question as well around 11.30 today. And let's get into some NBA. There was some more NBA moves yesterday. I mean, nothing blockbuster by any stretches of the imagination here, but the Celtics are making some moves, and they sent Grant Williams to the Mavericks on a four-year, $54 million sign-and-trade. The Spurs is part of the three-team trade here, received Reggie Bullock and an unprotected Dallas pick swap for 2030, and the Celtics received multiple second round picks when you look at Grant Williams he played 79 games last season with Boston 45.4% from the floor shooting 39.5% from three he averaged 8.1 points per game and 4.6 rebounds and this clearly is indicative here of the Celtics uh, having to move on from some money so that they did not approach that second tier tax apron there are probably few people who think less of Grant Williams as an NBA player than I. thought he was a nice college player at Tennessee. 
He's had some moments with the Celtics, which I think actually escalated into more playing time that he didn't deserve when he was with the Celtics. I think the Celtics are a better team without him. Unfortunately, I don't necessarily think they're a better team with Porzingis, however, because I'm just not a Porzingis guy. And I'm going to need to see him make it through an entire regular season and be on a decent team before I'm ever converted on Porzingis, who I've never understood any kind of fascination that this guy's like a somebody that's going to make a difference on a good team. That, that leads me into my next question here. When you look at what the Celtics have done, obviously they had to move on from Marcus Smart here to make the room for Kristaps Porzingis. They've also moved on from Grant Williams here. So uh, you look at losing a Marcus Smart, you look at losing a Grant Williams, maybe maybe not so much Grant Williams, but he certainly is not shy to stick his nose in there in, in a defensive setting. Uh, Marcus Smart brings that intensity. Did they lose a little bit of that edge too much from this team here? and in turn getting Kristaps Porzingis and some picks so far. Maybe, even though you know, it depends on who you talk to. Smart says that the, Lakers, the Celtics promised him he wasn't going to be traded. There are plenty of NBA people that watch far more, certainly in the regular season NBA, than I do that they think that Smart's departure is addition by subtraction. Uh, then you also have here Reggie Bullock uh, as part of this move, and he's off to the Spurs. He played 78 games last season with the Mavs, 40.9% from the floor, 38% from three, 7.2 points per game, and 3.6 rebounds per game. Whatever. I, mean, I have no real opinion of him. I can't imagine he's going to make any difference for the Spurs. Uh, you know, they wanted to get uh, they want to get a veteran player, maybe to, you know, help uh, Victor learn the NBA world. Maybe he's the guy, but I don't think he's any kind of difference-making player. Certainly, I'm not exactly a Mavericks fan, but I can't imagine that the Mavericks are going to really miss him. Uh, no, I don't think so on that front. So just kind of a logistical move there, more for the Mavs getting Grant Williams to help kind of space the floor, shoot threes, and maybe be able to uh, guard larger wings and forwards after. Uh, he takes really bad shots, too. I mean, so that'll fit perfect with the Mavs, except he, he may never get a shot with the Mavs because they still have Kyrie and Luca, which is inexplicable to me how they think those guys can coexist. They sort of learned there was enough of a, I know is the ultimate small sample size, but first I thought it was stupid that they actually thought those two could play together, and then when we saw it, they couldn't. So good luck getting a shot with those guys. Other NBA news here. Uh, this was floated around. It's going to take place. We're trying to figure out what exactly it all means, how it's all going to work, and that's the in-season tournament for the NBA. It looks like the Final Four is set to take place December 7th and December 9th in Las Vegas. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the stats for this in-season tournament will count for the league's regular season except for the championship game. More details are expected to emerge on Saturday during ESPN's NBA Today broadcast but what we do know is that all teams will participate in the group stage which is six groups total 
three teams per conference and chosen by a random draw based on teams winning percentage from the previous season. Each team will play four games in its group with six group winners making the knockout stage along with two wild cards who finished with the best winning percentage and not first in their groups. Knockout stage will then be single elimination throughout the final. I don't know if this is uh, going to be the success that they're hoping for to get the eyeballs and the attention on the NBA in the month of December. I'm the wrong person to ask this to. I mean, there, there's not many people on the earth, planet Earth here that care less about the regular season than me. This is definitely not going to make any difference. Kind of reminds me, yeah, I don't, I'm a you know, baseball fanatic. Uh, for the 162-game regular season and the postseason. I don't care one iota about anything that happens to do with the All-Star game. This kind of reminds me of that. I'm as enthused about this as I am the uh, the All-Star. Actually, I am enthused about the All-Star week next week because I'm just going to completely flush my mind away from baseball for a few days. But there is not a chance in hell I'm going to watch any of this thing in December. None. Zero. No way. I'm, I'm also kind of curious to see what the players are going to think about this, if this does anything for them to get them excited or if this is just kind of another uh, hump, uh, you know, hoop that they have to jump through in order to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, well, load management. I can see it right now. They played the last two days. We're not going to play that third day because he can't play today because he needs to be, he needs to rest. So I don't know if there's going to be incentives for that or not, but I, you know, sorry, I'm the wrong guy to ask about this. And there's no way that I can possibly be enthused about this ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that this is going to have the amount of success that they're hoping for, certainly just from eyeball perception, player buy-in, uh, disruption, if you will, to the regular season. Uh, I don't know if disruption is what they're looking for to try to mix things up, obviously, to make the regular season more important, uh, but I'm not 100% sure that this is the way to go. I guess we'll find out more details if winning this tournament means anything, uh, because ultimately, I think winning the NBA championship is what means something so we'll have to see uh, what some of those other details are and if there are any benefits to playing really well other than it counting toward your win percentage for your seedings later on in the playoffs uh, it's all still a little bit confusing as well so I guess we'll have to wait for later on this weekend your calls if you'd like I'll add, I'll add one other thing the way that the NFL schedule is now with games in January I think that the NBA importance, uh, uh, anybody going to watch this in December? Because the the NFL regular season is going to be winding down with important games in those last two or three weeks of the regular season, and that clashes with this calendar-wise. It certainly does. Uh, I guess when I was thinking about the in-season tournament, I wasn't expecting to see the dates being December 7th and 9th. I guess I was thinking a little bit closer to the all-star break like a little bit before february uh so i was a, a little surprised to see december 7th and 9th come across on the schedule as well your phone calls if you'd like to join the program 602-260-1060 it is the extra point 
need social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. That's the number to join the program. If you'd like to, we'll take your calls now and talk to you. 602-260-1060. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. The 33rd put together the NFL teams in every division that could surprise in 2023. And I guess it's probably natural that when you think of the word surprise, maybe you think surprise in a positive way. But you'll find out as we go through some of these here that surprise doesn't always have such a positive spin to it here. So we'll start with the AFC East and the two Former coaches that are part of this uh, surprise for 2023 are Marty Morningwig and Dave Wanstat. So they'll both provide their opinions. Uh, for AFC East, Marty Morningwig is going with Rodgers gives the Jets a chance. The Bills are the favorites in the division, but the Jets have a heck of a defense. And now Rodgers uh, gives them a chance if he's healthy and age hasn't caught up to him yet. Uh, conversely, Dave Wanstat thinks it's about the Dolphins, that the Dolphins have what it takes. The Dolphins will close the gap on the Bills and have an opportunity to win the division. They'll make more of an effort to be more balanced on offense to take the pressure off of Tua. Also, really giving some props here to Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator, as well as adding Jalen Ramsey. I do think, Joe, in general, looking at this AFC East, it's interesting because you had the Patriots holding such a a stranglehold on this division for such a long time, 20-plus years, and now you've kind of seen the Bills take the reins, but now more teams are uh, making a run for that top seed. I'm on the Wanstead side here, uh, who I got to know a little bit in my days in Chicago. Extremely nice human being. One of the best uh, you know, coaches that I've ever you know had a chance to deal with. I wasn't on a daily basis or anything like that, but really good dude. Uh, has nothing to do with my opinion here, however, because I've been, you know, you know, kind of uh, playing up the uh, the Dolphins for a while. They, they, they certainly have. Uh, if they don't have the strongest defensive backfield combo, uh, cornerback combo in the NFL, I'm not exactly sure who is better now with Ramsey, obviously, there. Uh, so I think they're good. Uh, I'm not buying the Jets. I did some work. Uh, one of the things I actually you know, spent some time on during our uh, 4th of July weekend hiatus there uh, in the extended, uh, you know, a couple of days off was when it, I got into some of the over-unders for the upcoming NFL season, some of the early numbers, and I was actually kind of disappointed that a couple of these teams that I think have been overhyped at least in the media, didn't have higher numbers. Uh, for example, I thought, you know, the Jets are a team I want to bet under. Uh, their over-under for the most part is nine and a half, and that, that's uh, – you know, kind of hard to to bet that uh, under the total of nine and a half. I was hoping that they'd be ten, ten and a half. You know, ten and a half is kind of begging, I guess, a little bit. But so I'm very disappointed that uh, that number's not higher. Maybe that'll uh, maybe there'll be some action or something somewhere that that presents itself. But uh, the other hand, the the Dolphins are also sitting at nine and a half, and that's a, I would much more. 
be much more in favor of betting the Dolphins over a nine and a half than the than the Jets as far as a total goes. And unfortunately, that Jets total is just not high enough for me to bet it under. You know, I'm really curious to see here with the Dolphins. Uh, obviously, you had first-year head coach last year, Mike McDaniel. And just if he – what he took away from being a first-year head coach and when you lost Tua and then you also lose Teddy Bridgewater and you have to go to Skylar Thompson and so all of the quarterback issues that they had, uh, just kind of what he learned from that process and how to keep things more balanced because his Dave Wanstat points out here that he thinks that they will be more balanced, but Mike McDaniel at times seemed to try to get just a little bit too aggressive with the passing game. Uh, you know, it's hard not to when you have Tyreek Hill and you have Jalen Waddle, uh, but just being able to be a little bit more balanced and how he he learns from last year and what is applied to this year. I agree with that. And, you know, the reason I probably would not bet this over is I'm concerned about Tua's injury situation. And obviously when he wasn't there, their quarterback play was atrocious. And I, I think that's a very accurate word, being atrocious. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, but I would be more apt to uh, you know, bet them over nine and a half that I would be uh, thinking about anything with the Jets, which I, I mentioned I'd like to bet them under, but the number's just not high enough. Uh, you had the, the win total numbers. I have the division numbers here for you. The Bills to win the division is plus 130. The Jets plus 250. The Dolphins plus 290. The Patriots coming in at plus 750. And just for kicks, I thought I would throw in just kind of what the market thinks about to make the playoffs. The Bills at minus 245. The Jets at minus 134. The Dolphins minus 105. And the Patriots at plus 250. Continue. I don't get too much into I don't get too much into these things. I, I mean, I much prefer the season win totals, of which I've had at least one bet. I think it is for you know. I think the the season win totals. I seem to remember those were the first time I, they came out were like the early two thousands, if not the late nineties. And I'm pretty sure I've had at least a couple of bets on season win totals. Last year was different because I only had the one. You know, luckily Tampa Bay. You know, that was easy winner for me under whatever it was, 10 and a half or 11, some insane number, which I thought was pretty stupid at the time. And luckily I was right about that. But, you know, those I'm, I'm, I'm rarely I've been I bet a couple of division win total or a couple of division uh, to win the division props over the years. Haven't necessarily done particularly well with those. Got really lucky and won one year with the Houston Texans when they had a, all kinds of weird circumstances fall in their favor in like the last week of the season. But to me, it's much easier to bet uh, season win totals than it is just to things to win the division or make the playoffs. Moving on to the AFC North, I think we both agree that this has the potential to be a really intriguing division this year. Uh, Morning Wig is on the side of Watson Key to Brown's hopes that the Bengals are the yeah. clear favorites, the Ravens on the heels of Lamar's new contract, signing OBJ and drafting Zay Flowers. But the key here is if Watson gets back to playing, that's Deshaun Watson, gets back to playing at a level he did a few years ago, this offense could really take off. One step 
bet also on the side of Cleveland as Cleveland can rock the division. Uh, the Browns may not win the division, but they can make a headway. Wanstat doesn't believe that Watson will be as bad as he was last year. You also factor in that you have Nick Chubb at running back, Amari Cooper, and Elijah Moore, who they traded for at wide receiver. And then he adds that on defense this offseason, you brought in Zedarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson. And they have an excellent offensive line when healthy, which they weren't last year. Uh, season win total is eight and a half. And I'm very curious to see how Watson does. Not necessarily in the preseason, but just at least during training camp. I don't know if the Browns have any of those joint practice things. Like you can actually learn more during the joint practices than you can during watching a preseason game. Uh, you can get information at least as far as the uh, you know, joint practice things. But uh, the Browns are definitely a team I'm interested in betting over eight and a half, depending on how Watson looks before the season starts. This division, though, it's interesting because so we're talking about the Bengals and just kind of where they have established themselves. Obviously, Joe Burrow, the architect of that offense. Uh, then you have, I guess, the expectations for the Ravens to take the next level after getting a deal done with Lamar Jackson, bringing in um, – Todd Munkin as offensive coordinator, uh, bringing in OBJ and what they were also doing in the draft with Zay Flowers. Uh, then you also have just like steady as it goes, Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin and how he doesn't lose, how he doesn't have losing seasons. But the questions here are, you know, what's Kenny Pickett going to do in year two? Yeah, well, I think he sucks personally. So I'm not going to have any questions about that. I think he's the one thing that can hold their team back. I'm also shocked that they brought their offensive coordinator back from last year. He was awful. Uh, so, you know, maybe Pickett has a chance with a better coordinator, but I saw enough of him. Uh, through the majority of his college career, he was a huge disappointment underachiever. He had one really good season at Pitt to end his career in college. Being good for him, he parlayed that into a first-round draft pick. But once again... I'm pretty much in the same boat I am with Mac Jones. I just don't think either of these guys are capable of being a good quarterback on a good team. I guess the difference, though, uh, and then it'll kind of sort itself out, right, is that the Patriots brought in Bill O'Brien, who he's worked with previously and who can construct an offense. Uh, Matt Canada, questions are still out for how he is as an offensive coordinator and if that's the right person to uh, provide the tutelage for Kenny Pickett. When it comes to division numbers, the Bengals at plus 130, the Ravens at plus 250, the Browns at plus 390, the Steelers at plus 470. For kicks as well, to make the playoffs numbers, you have the Bengals at minus 310, the Ravens minus 150, the Browns plus 104, and the Steelers at plus 146. Continuing as on. As far as season win totals here, if I find a 10 for Baltimore, it seems like nine and a half are out there. If I find a 10, I will be betting under 10 for the Ravens to win this season. 10 wins for the year. Continuing on with the AFC, we'll go to the AFC South. Marty Morningwing here says new coach, uh, quarterback gives Colts shot. Uh, he's talking about here that it's not a very good division. The Jaguars appear to be the favorites, but Colts how have Shane Steichen and they drafted Anthony Richardson. 
whereas Juan's stat here is going with Ryan's top picks energize the Texans. Yes, the Texans were the worst team in the league last season, but now have a new sense of energy. Rookie C.J. Stroud can play well because Ryan's is probably going to be a little bit more conservative and rely on running the ball. I don't want any part of anybody in this division unless it's Jacksonville under the total. Uh, their total of nine and a half, and I guess it went down a half for some some places after the uh, uh, suspension to Cam Robinson to start next season, their left tackle, and they apparently have nobody else on their roster that can play left tackle. Uh, so it'd be uh, if uh, this would actually hit 10, I would think about uh, Jacksonville under, but that would be an iffy proposition because this division is terrible, and they've got a, somebody's going to win some games. Probably Jacksonville. I'll probably just, instead of doing anything as far as a, a prop bet, certainly not going to bet any of those things in the prop bet, but as far as the over-under totals, I'm guessing I will be just looking to play against a lot of these teams on a, uh, at least in the first part of the season on almost a weekly basis, uh, assuming they're not playing each other, obviously. If they're playing outside the division, uh, almost for sure going to be at least the, one of the first things I'll do every week is just think, okay, who do the teams from the AFC uh, South play this week, and do I want to play them against against them this particular week? Uh, the you the numbers here: division winners, Jaguars minus one sixty, the Titans plus three eighty, the Colts at plus five hundred, and the Texans at plus eight hundred. To make the playoff numbers, the Jags at minus two hundred, the Titans plus two forty five, and the Colts plus three fifty, and the Texans at plus five twenty. Moving into the AFC West, Marty Morningwink here. Chargers have pieces to surprise. Be a surprise if the Chiefs don't win the division, he says. If they get things ironed out with Justin Herbert and get over the hump, though, that could push the Chiefs. Wanstat here going with Herbert can help close the gap. This is the year that the Chargers close the gap and catch the Chiefs. He goes on to say that they have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, drafted Quinton Johnston, and of course have Austin Eckler, key playmakers on defense as well. Yeah, uh, I'm not buying into this. I mean, I just need to see uh, Justin Herbert make plays when it's uh, games on the line, when the season's on the line. And the last two years, I know they've had a lot of things go wrong. However, he has failed miserably, much to my surprise and disappointment. Uh, he has failed miserably with the season on the line two straight years. I'm really curious to see what the infusion of Kellen Moore on the offensive side of the ball is going to do. That, you know, I think... I think it's fair to say that the consensus criticism for Lombardi and the offensive coordinator is that he was sometimes too uh, too dink and dunk and not letting Justin Herbert uh, take his shots down the field. I think you could also probably argue that some of the uh, injuries that occurred uh, limited what they were able to do. Austin Eckler became, and out of necessity, such a huge part of that offense last season. Um, so I'm just curious to see what a, a new mindset will do with Kellen Moore, but then also how Brandon Staley continues to evolve as a head coach. We obviously were so, um, actually I shouldn't say we, cause I don't think you were ever enamored by Brandon Staley and the going for it approach on fourth down, but he certainly he still has a job somehow. <laughs> 
so yeah. just kind of how he is going to evolve, take that uh, aggressive nature that he has, learn from some of the things that he did and didn't do, but then also how that uh, coincides with Kellen Moore and maybe his aggressive nature. I don't disagree with that. Certainly it's going to – anybody would have been an upgrade from Lombardi. However – I just think that people, you know, I'm actually the one guy that, in the planet that seemed to be on Justin Herbert before the draft. Uh, liked him a lot when he came out of Oregon. Seemingly nobody else did. And I've been a massive, I think he's been a massive disappointment. As I've mentioned, I cannot say this enough. He has just completely screwed their season, basically. Two games with their season on the line that he basically sucked in both of them with the game on the line both times. Two years ago against the Raiders and last year in the playoffs against the Jags when he and they blew, what was it, 27 to nothing lead? And he was terrible when the game was on the line. I mean terrible. It didn't matter who was calling plays. He just made inaccurate throws and made dumb decisions. I'm curious as well how this AFC West is going to go because last offseason the conversation was, oh my gosh, the AFC West, you know, uh, are they just going to cannibalize themselves? This is the best division in all of football, and that's not entirely what happened. We saw what we saw with the Broncos and obviously uh, bringing in Sean Payton now, hoping to uh, revolutionize Russell Wilson there. The Raiders have certainly – are. are likely going to be taking a step backward from what we saw last year, moving on from Derek Carr as well. So the Chiefs kind of by default uh, continue to be out in front, but they also have some questions as well, uh, just in terms of what has happened with players moving on, uh, offensive line, and, uh, you know, again, can Patrick Mahomes continue to find Travis Kelsey when he is the only person out there? Why do we believe otherwise? Uh, I was right about this division last year. I didn't buy into the hype of all the other teams. I was on the Chiefs from the start. Didn't understand why anybody was thinking they weren't going to win. I don't understand why anybody doesn't think they're going to win this year. They have the best coach. They have the best quarterback. They have the most good players on any team, on any roster in this division. As far as the other thing in this division – uh, I am clearly going to be on the Raiders under whatever the highest number I can find. I think they're going to be awful. Those numbers, division winners, Chiefs minus 160, Chargers plus 300, Broncos plus 550, the Raiders uh, 12, to, uh, 12 to 1. When you have to make the playoffs, the Chiefs minus 500, the Chargers minus 115, the Broncos plus 184, and the Raiders plus 360. Uh, I'm curious to see how how it all works for Denver though um and whether or not it's Russell just had a bad year or whether or not there are some serious limitations now with Russell's game well we're talking to the wrong guy here again I was against I was on down on Russell Wilson at the end of his Seattle career you know his mobility is gone that was a huge part of his game and the running game in Seattle when he was most successful and their defense was good. I think that he was a good player, but he had a lot of things going around him that were positive. I wasn't surprised at all. I thought that I was I was surprised the Broncos were that bad. I was not surprised that Russell Wilson was not anywhere near what he was in his heyday in Seattle. It's poll question time on the other side of the break. We'll get to it next and the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. 
Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app. time there in the previous segment uh, as we were going through the 33rd putting together their NFL teams in every division that could surprise in 2023 and we made it through the AFC we will do the NFC in tomorrow's extra point that's right it is the extra point welcome back here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports Bob Kemp Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we take typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A reminder here for you. We're with you for the rest of today's show. Uh, we'll be with you tomorrow as well for the Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, then taking a vacation July 10th through the 14th and back once again on July 17th. But we turn our attention here to the poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Here's some NBA topics. And if you missed it, Bob was joined by Dan Favale of the Bleacher Report. You can podcast that interview over at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Here's the question. Do you consider the Suns to be a championship contender to win the 2024 finals? Yes or no? Uh, No, I don't. I think it's laughable that they're third in the uh, odds to win the NBA. If you go, I went by the... uh, Nevada odds uh, from yesterday afternoon, late afternoon, they were third in that list. Once again, to repeat, the Nuggets are first, plus 450. Celtics, I'm not really sure why they're there, plus 50, uh, plus 550, they're second. Suns are at 650. I think the Suns are no better than the third best team in the Western Conference. I think the Nuggets certainly should be number one. I actually think the Warriors are better than the Suns after the you know, what we expected the you know, the re-signing of Draymond and the addition of Chris Paul and actually I think some of their younger players are going to develop now without uh, basically uh, Jordan Poole dominating the ball and so forth and I think the Lakers have had a very interesting last few days and I think the Lakers right now are clearly better than the Suns so there's no, I don't not for a second. Have I considered the Suns to be a championship contender in 2024 uh, with their fantasy basketball approach uh, to the you know, world, real world, the NBA, and you know the additions that they've made in the last you know, week, uh, either re-signing players that shouldn't have been on their team to begin with, or at least playing in the playoffs, and uh, none of the additions that they made, with the exception of Eric Gordon, have done anything for me to change my mind. I think, uh, first of all, it's kind of important to establish like the definition of contender uh, because just the way that the league is structured, I mean, they're clearly in the upper echelon of of teams. So does that by default, you know, make them a contender? Uh, Because 
I think that that in in that that phrasing of things it does. Uh, when you think about a healthy uh, Devin Booker, you think about a healthy Kevin Durant, a healthy Bradley Beal, uh, they absolutely are in the conversation here. Uh, whether or not we want to say that this is the best way to go about constructing the team, certainly we can have that particular conversation. Uh, whether or not uh, the players that are going to be the key role guys moving forward that they were able to bring in in the free agency period. I, I think we still have to see how that's all going to play out. I mean, I I know Eric Gordon. Uh, we've obviously seen him play in the league for quite some time. We know what he's capable of doing, and we know what he's capable of doing in some big moments as well. When it comes to um, some of the other key free agents that they brought in, uh, I think the question marks are still uh, very much there and very much present for uh, what they're going to be able to contribute. I, I think that they were able to go and get some size. I think they were able to go and get some three-point shooting. Uh, so certainly with the limitations that they placed upon this roster by the decisions that they have, have made, uh, Previously, they went out and they were able to do the, the, the best that they absolutely could with the, the confines and the, the structure of their money that they were able to play with. Um, so when it comes to, though, how things unfold when we look at last year, I mean, did we really think that the heat would be in the conversation? So I think that there's still just a lot that plays out here, and they are absolutely a contender. Okay. The we're going to beg to disagree. We'll find out once, you know, we're not going to find anything out during the regular season because they're going to win 50-plus games because they're just going to outscore teams in the regular season. But can they guard anybody when it matters? Uh, just before I get to the masses here, I did look up the NBA championship odds, at least according to Vegas here right now. Uh, the Celtics are leading the way at plus 470. The defending champs, the Nuggets, are at plus 480. Then you have the Bucks at plus 550. The Suns coming in at plus 600 and the Heat at 10 to 1. And honestly, like you, when you mentioned how the, the Lakers and how they had a really good free agency period, uh, I'm actually really surprised to not see them uh, better than 10 to one well they were 11 to one yesterday when i checked uh the consensus vegas odds at uh you know the uh, three or four sports books that have the highest volume i just combined them and uh what they had as it was like five o'clock yesterday afternoon the nuggets the overwhelming favorite the celtics second suns third bucks fourth and the lakers were fifth uh, for the masses here, they're on the yes side of things at 65% of the vote, no trailing at 35%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Let's toss it on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. Should the Heat be among the top five contenders to win the 2024 NBA Finals if they add Damian Lillard? Uh, I think if you look at uh, the East alone, they should be in pretty good shape with, with some of the things that have transpired over in the East. If you continue to believe in the Boston Celtics or not uh, the Bucks were able to bring back their core group of guys so you have to consider uh, them still being incredibly strong in the east uh, when you add in Damian Lillard though the the questions always remain about health whether it's him whether it's uh, uh, Jimmy Butler whether it's um, Bam Adebayo those are obviously going to be the three cornerstone pieces if they go ahead and complete this trade uh, in addition to that though you did lose some of your your bench you lost some of your rotation pieces as well with Max Struess and Gabe Vincent uh, so 
The other question here is what do you have to give up in order to bring in Damian Lillard? Is that piece going to be Tyler Hero? Uh, have you replaced enough of those key role players uh, if you have to give up Tyler Hero in all of this? But I think if you're just looking at the East and therefore being able to get yourself to the finals, uh, adding Damian Lillard should make them a top five contender. Agreed. Um, I think that uh, I don't think there's anybody in the world that wouldn't say let's trade Struess and Vincent to get Damian Lillard, and uh, you know better player than those two guys, and understand that they certainly played roles and so forth, and you know the Heat culture and all that crap, which I sort of believe in to some extent. But uh, you know Spolster is a tremendous coach. Uh, Lillard. Uh, would just basically be taking a lot of the playing time that you know Vincent and Struess would have been you know, having anyway. So that's a you know I would, I'm not going to say addition by subtraction, but the other two guys because I think those guys were good players. But you know, I don't think there's a a basketball person on earth that wouldn't rather have lower than those two guys. And also I think the East just kind of sucks. Uh, I think the Celtics are a mess. I do think the Bucks are good, though. I like the fact that they were able to retain their guys. Plus, they're going to get Crowder for an entire year. I think that that will definitely help there. And they added Robin Lopez, uh, who's a good defender and a good rebounder. And uh, their bench uh, was not a real strength last year, even when they were playing well and before they had the injuries towards the end of the season. But I, I think the the Bucks are actually the best team in the East right now. But if they get Lillard in uh, Miami, and that seems to be, you know, all the dots seem to connect to that uh, between what the uh, the Heat did in the off season as far as not keeping those two guards and uh, you know making room as far as just basketball wise. Uh, and the other thing that I do think is totally addition by subtraction is uh, there, there, there's no chance that Hero's going to be on this team next year. And he's just a guy I would not want on my team, no matter who is in the NBA. I just don't think he's a good player. Uh, the masses are on the yes side of things at 95.2%, no trailing at 4.8%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Do you think that that could possibly hold this whole thing up? Because Portland, seemingly through reports, doesn't want Tyler Hero in return, so you need to have a third team involved. He also or has... Fourth, or, or fourth team. I heard that theory out there from Bobby Marks of ESPN the last couple of days. Third or fourth team involved, but somebody has to be willing to take on the contract that goes along with him since the Heat did pay him uh, a significant amount of money. Somebody will do that uh, just for salary cap reasons. I don't. I, I, should, I probably misspoke a little bit. I think the Hero's an okay player, but I don't think he's ever going to be a determining factor uh, on a good team. I think he's a good player on a good team. Let's put it that way. We wrap it up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com.
sixth edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, a singular around the NBA. Plenty of Suns discussion off the bat and uh, much more in the NBA with Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. Sound today courtesy of, oh, I just lost my place on the my computer popped up here because I didn't hit the right button. Imagine that would happen. Shocking development there. TNT, here we go. TNT, NBC Sports Washington, NBA TV, Bally Sports Arizona, Fox, KLAA, that's the Angels flagship. AT&T Sportsnet, and also that's the Dodgers flagship, I think. Uh, maybe not. Uh, and also Tex 105.3. Oh, I know what ATT Sportsnet is. That's actually the uh, the Astros. Sport. That's uh, their flagship. And then T- Tex uh, 105.3, that is the uh, Texas Rangers uh, flagship station. All right. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us really fast what came, it's coming up next because I talked too long there. Sorry. Uh, up next from noon to one o'clock, it is Force Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from one to three, the Rich Eisen Show from three to five, and the Sports Two with Dave Rooster Bierstein from five to six. Don't forget the Diamondbacks are hosting the Mets to wrap up the series. It'll be Carlos Carrasco for the Mets, Ryan Nelson for the Diamondbacks. First pitch tonight at six forty p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona, and another look at the John Deere Classic on the PGA Tour. Jonas Blixt. Went out early this morning. He remains atop of the leaderboard at nine under par. Our guy Adam Schenk remains in second place in a tie for second at six under par. And Eric Cole just getting his round started. He's one under par through two holes. We'll be with you tomorrow uh, on this Meet Friday uh, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Talk to you then.